From Catanning to Middletown, Tyrone to Lafayette Hill, this is Lincoln Radio Journal. On this edition, Pennsylvania's gas tax automatically went up the first of the year without legislative approval. State Representative Joe DeOrsi wants to change that. He is here to explain. Therapeutic horseback riding is an effective treatment for many. Joe Geiger has Brent Nolt and Teresa Macchio from the Capital Area Therapeutic Riding Association in the Community Benefit Spotlight. And Ashley Klingensmith from Americans for Prosperity Pennsylvania has an open policy letter to the 118th Congress on this week's Lincoln Radio Journal Commentary. I'm Loman Henry, and welcome to Lincoln Radio Journal. We'll get to State Representative Joe DeOrsi in just a couple of minutes, but first, news headlines from patownhall.com. The Pennsylvania House of Representatives remains at a standstill as a deal that installed a supposedly independent speaker fell apart this past week. State Representative Mark Rossi, a Democrat from Berks County, was elected speaker in the nearly evenly divided chamber after pledging to become an independent and not caucus with either party. Rossi backtracked on his pledge to register as an independent, prompting the Republicans who backed his candidacy for speaker to call for his resignation. As a result, the House adjourned, being unable to conduct any business, including the need to advance several proposed constitutional amendments to the May primary ballot. Republicans hold what will likely be a temporary two-seat advantage until three special elections in Democrat-leaning districts are held, either in February or May, which would then give Democrats a one-seat edge. Rossi was initially seen as a bridge over that divide, but that scenario has now evaporated, leaving more questions than answers over how the chamber will proceed. As happens every four years, some lawmakers are proposing to move next year's presidential primary election from late April to mid-March in an effort to make Pennsylvania's primary vote more relevant to the presidential nomination process. More often than not, party nominees have essentially been determined before Keystone State voters go to the polls the end of April. The legislature has never been able to come to an agreement on such a move, but once again, efforts are underway. Two decades ago, federal courts ruled it was a violation of the constitutional right to freedom of speech for school districts to ban teachers from wearing religious symbols. Despite that ruling, wording in Pennsylvania law actually allows such prohibitions. Now State Senator Kristen Phillips-Hill, a Republican from York County, and Democrat Senator Judy Swank of Berks County, have introduced legislation to remove the wording in state law that prohibits such expression and thus bring the Commonwealth into compliance with the court ruling, as well as to ensure the protection of teachers' constitutional rights. Read about all things Pennsylvania at patownhall.com. If you've filled up your gas tank since New Year's Day, you may have noticed that you paid a little bit more, not to the oil companies, but to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, as an automatic tax hike took place. State Representative Joe DeOrsi represents the 47th Legislative District in York County. He is sponsoring legislation to end such automatic gas tax hikes. He joins us now. Joe, welcome to Lincoln Radio Journal. 
Joe, Pennsylvania has one of the highest, if not the highest, gas tax in the nation. Tell us what occurred earlier this year. Where were we and where are we now? Prior to January 1st, Loman, we, on regular gasoline, we came in at number three in the nation at 57.6 cents per gallon. Now, that was bumped up even further and that might be good enough for number one in the nation. I haven't looked at the at the data, but we're we're moving upward. Retroactive to a bill written, a, an omnibus bill written back in 2013 called Act 89, built into the the language of, of Act 89 was an automatic gas increase on both regular and diesel gasoline that if the average price per gallon of gasoline in, in any calendar year exceeded $2.99, an auto increase would come into play thanks to the Department of Revenue. That's what happened as of January 1st. I, I believe the average price for regular gasoline last year was, was 317. Of course, that's 18 cents above the uh, the threshold. So Pennsylvanians got a nice New Year New Year's gift of a couple more cents per gallon at the pump. And all of this occurred without any legislative action. That's right. This was was built into this very lengthy, extensive omnibus bill. That's one of my one of my hangups, Loman. Obviously, we're we're everyone, not just Pennsylvanians, are dealing with what I would classify as stagflation, stagnant inflation, and we're we're already paying enough at the pump. Of course, this in the realm of diesel gasoline extends to the goods that are that are delivered by trucks that we buy at the grocery store or department store. One of the hangups, other than than this exceedingly high cost for my constituents is that it's automatic and because because changes like this should be should be voted on they should be decided uh, decided upon in the budget and um, my constituents deserve to have have my voice on this matter but instead due to the language of this bill which we we hope to change it's just an automatic increase and, and a, a department is imposing it the department of revenue and, and that's that's wrong and so your legislation would change this how? So the previous basement, I guess you would say, is 299. My bill would effectively make the ceiling 299, so that an automatic increase uh, annually is no longer possible. It can't. It can't go any higher than the than the 57.6 cents per gallon. Joe, of course, we have been suffering from near record high inflation, certainly higher than what we have seen in the last 40 or 50 years. That also triggered this automatic increase. In looking at inflation, adding additional taxes onto gasoline and diesel fuel, doesn't this just continue that inflationary cycle? Oh, it does, Loman. And I kind of said the phrase, why are we in, in, in a time of, of inflation, why are we penalizing taxpayers instead of protecting them? And this, this is a penalty. And I'll repeat it. Before the first of the year, we already had the third highest gas tax in the nation. And of course, gas is essential. I have to fill up to get to work. So do my neighbors and my constituents. Uh, of course, on like I had mentioned on, on the diesel side, which is actually proportionally a higher increase. Trucks use use diesel to, to carry goods all over the place. That that increase that that the trucking industries have to deal with will be passed on to us at the grocery store or the department store. So it is it is crippling. We're we're already dealing with inflation and. and we could argue about whether it's going to get worse or not. I would, I would say that it most definitely will. And this is not a, a very welcome New Year's present. 
No, not at all. And uh, we might also mention related to that, tolls went up again on the Pennsylvania Turnpike as well. That's right. We are talking with State Representative Joe DeOrsi. He represents the 47th Legislative District, that in York County. And we've been talking so far about these automatic increases in the tax that Pennsylvanians pay on gas and diesel fuel, which he has legislation to end that automatic increase. Let's sort of switch gears here to carry the transportation analogy a bit further, Joe. Let's talk about education, education freedom, education reform. I understand that you are proposing and supporting a an amendment that would give parents more control and more rights over their children's education. What are you doing in that sphere? That's right, Loman. So I, I've introduced a, a constitutional amendment, and uh, currently the Constitution, I, I would argue, in there's a clause that's discriminatory under the education section that bars state monies going to sectarian schools. And of course, sectarian is a pretty ambiguous term, but it's applied as basically anything but public. My constitutional amendment would strike that out, and it would allow the state-apportioned money, which is about $7,000 the last time I checked. It's about a third of the education pie uh, in total. I, I believe over $20,000 is spent on each pupil in Pennsylvania. So the, the third that is state-apportioned state through my p- proposal would effectively go to the parents and the students to choose where, they, where they'd like to go. And currently, that's not allowed? That's not allowed, no. And, and school choice is, we, we do have in Pennsylvania uh, tax credits, which are, which are nice, and scholarships and tax credits are nice to that effect, but they're just the tip of the iceberg. And Loman school choice is uh, a very, very popular bipartisan issue. So it's, it's not like we're, we're going way against the grain here. Um, this, this is a popular thing. Just about seven in 10 Pennsylvanians when polled are for it. So we, we really think that we're, with this proposal, we're, we're, we're acting on behalf of the mainstream. Joe, I've noticed over the years, it seems that lawmakers from the Democrat side of the aisle who represent urban areas where the public schools struggle the most, they seem to be oftentimes in favor of expanded school choice opportunities. Are, are you seeing that as you try to build a coalition behind this amendment? That's what I've noticed so far, Loman, and, and it does seem to be a paradox because a, a lot of the students that they serve would be well served uh, by school choice. And, and I think, frankly, one of the, the reasons that is is because uh, the teachers union is one of the most powerful lobbies in, in Pennsylvania, and they, they give a vast majority of their campaign dollars to Democrats. Another proposal that you are working on involves free speech and education. And we all know that, unfortunately, the education establishment has gone totally woke, not only here in Pennsylvania, but nationwide. Oftentimes, this can take the form of curtailing free speech rights for those who take a more conservative approach Tell us a bit about your efforts in that area. Public colleges, or, or, or any college for, for that matter, is a bastion for, for free speech and thought and divergent ideas and debate. And sadly, that's not really the case in a lot of our universities. So, so my bill would, would address specifically one of these, these things that have been created by, by left-leaning college uh, departments that, that are called 
bias response teams, which in, in my eyes, Loman, is, is just code for stifling conservative thought. So this measure would, would get rid of that. It would, it would aim to kind of level the playing field in, in terms of conservative thought is appropriate as well. And it would uh, kind of cut the, the uh, efforts by these leftist universities to stifle free speech. So I, I don't have a problem with, with uh, liberal or progressive ideas being shared on college campuses so long as the students have those. But I do have a problem if, it, if it's one-sided and it's effectively a vacuum, which penalizes or, or eliminates the other, the other side of the, of the debate. Does this feed into a lot of skepticism that has taken hold here, Joe, where colleges are looked at not as bastions of free speech or bastions of education, but rather as indoctrination centers? Well, that's, that's how, I, how I see it. And of course, that's not every, every college or university, but that, that's what I'm hearing from my constituents. That's what I kind of associate modern-day academia with just that. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a place that produces progressive ide- ideology, and we, we kind of see the fruit when, when we see our kids and our, and our young adults come out of college with, with uh, sometimes very radical points of view. We will, of course, continue to keep an eye on all of these issues, and we will do so with Joe DeOrsi, state representative representing the 47th District in York County. Joe, if we have listeners who would like to learn more about the proposed gas tax repeal, the education proposed amendments to the state constitution, et cetera, where can they go to get more information and to get in touch with you? My website has all of that information, and my website web address is www repjod.com. And uh, another place to get some some good information and to stay in the loop is my Facebook page. Uh, And my name on Facebook is simply State Representative Joe DeOrsi. Joe DeOrsi, State Representative from York County. Joe, thank you for taking time to be with us. Thanks for having me, Loman. Therapeutic horseback riding is becoming more and more popular as a way to help folks with certain disabilities or even just those seeking relaxation. To learn more, Joe Geiger talks with Ben Nolt and Teresa Macchio from the Capital Area Therapeutic Riding Association. Joe? Thank you, Loman, and thank you, Ben and Teresa, for joining us for the Lincoln Radio Program. Joe, it's great to be with you. Thanks for the opportunity. Ben, share with our listeners a little bit of background about the Capital Area Therapeutic Riding Association, Inc. When did it get started and what was the inspiration for it? Joe, as we call it, CATRA, C-A-T-R-A, began in the fall of 1985. At that point in time, our determination was to bring a quality therapeutic horseback riding program to the people of the capital area of Pennsylvania. We had two horses, and we had four people interested in being riders, and that began 37 years ago to now what is known as one of the top therapeutic riding programs in the state. My wife and I have been involved in the horse industry for Uh, ever since we can remember, and we had started working with kids with disabilities and thought that if we were going to bring a quality program like CAPTRA to the capital area, we really needed to do some study and figure out what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. So we went to some courses that Penn State had offered, and it just sort of became the magnificent obsession that this is what we're really supposed to do with our lives, and we've dedicated the past 37 years to providing a quality program to the people of Pennsylvania. Uh, The history of therapeutic riding goes back into the early Greeks and Roman times when they would bring their terminally ill patients uh, on horseback. But in Pennsylvania, therapeutic riding has been very active since the 70s, and we came along in about the 1985 era. 
and have grown uh, to be a very, very large program. I know that there are many therapeutic writing programs in Pennsylvania. Do you have any idea how many, Ben? Somewhere in the 40 to 50 range, I would think. Pennsylvania has 67 counties, and there's pretty much some activity of therapeutic writing in most of them. The thing that makes CAPTRA unique is that we're more than just a therapeutic horseback riding program. When you think of the total human-animal bond, let alone our therapeutic riding is the prime thing that we do, but we have also have a program called PAWS, P-A-W-S, Pause and Read, where our riders can take time out and read to the animals. We have a very active miniature horse program where we pair up miniature horses, two people. It used to be just kids, but then the adults wanted to get in on it. But that's used to do some group therapy things where we're talking about team building, talking about decision-making, and affecting the whole person. The Catra is a pretty busy place. When we started, our goal was to do it all with 100% volunteer help. And now we're probably 95% volunteer. And that's something we're always looking for is new volunteers. That's terrific. I think it was Winston Churchill that said the outside of a horse is good for the insides of a man. Anybody who's been around horses has probably experienced that. And it sounds like there are enough therapeutic riding programs throughout Pennsylvania that if someone has a family member or a challenge that they can find one somewhere. Absolutely. If they would like to use CATRA as a resource, we can help direct them throughout the state, throughout the nation, really, if someone has an interest, either in uh, having a rider uh, come to the program or volunteering in a program. And of course, Joe, as you well know, it takes cash to crank the crank. So uh, we also like to talk to folks that have, are philanthropically inclined. This is Joe Geiger on the Lincoln Radio Program. My guest today is Ben Holtz, the uh, president of the board at uh, the Capital Area Therapeutic Riding Association, and his executive director, Teresa Mochio. Have you experienced any of the challenges that the rest of the country have over the last two years or so with the economy, with COVID, uh, attracting people, I guess not only as staff or volunteers, but actually riders? Joe, it's it's been pretty amazing, and we're very thankful to have endured the time out when everyone had to close down since Catra was declared non-essential. But our volunteers declared themselves essential because the animals needed care. And as far as financial support, uh, our people were were very generous in, in keeping Catra going. What does an experience between the human being and the horse look like? What, what kind of things do you do that sparks the improvement therapeutic riding has always had the ability to impact a person physically because the therapeutic motion of the horse when you consider the way you walk we we, a human ambulates three-dimensionally side to side up and down and back and forth and the horse also moves side to side up and down and back and forth so when you take the person and put them on the horse they're receiving the same input as if they're walking normally but you have to look beyond that for the emotional impact, the mental impact, and some will say the spiritual impact that the animal has with the human. So what you just described is especially true with someone who may have a spinal cord injury or a spinal cord infliction. That, that motion between the horse, the person can actually feel the, the ground again rather than being in a, in a chair. That's absolutely true. And on top of that is the psychological boost of now being able to go places where they couldn't go before. The horse becomes their legs. 
Teresa, this question will will be for you, and that is, at the end of the day, when, let's say you're having a little bit of a challenge yourself with being tired, how do, how do you know you're making a difference? How do you know it's worthwhile? When you go out and you walk down to one of the lessons and you look at the rider's facial expressions, they're smiling, they're happy, they're accomplishing different things with the horses. Catra is a place that teaches people of all abilities to be proud of their accomplishments, no matter how big or small. And seeing those smiling faces makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, it's it's very satisfying to to see that connection. And the person actually witnessing it experiences a little bit of a similar uh, satisfaction. This is Joe Geiger in the Lincoln Radio Program. My guests today are Ben Noltz, president of CATRA, the Capital Area Therapeutic Riding Association, and Teresa Mochio, who's the executive director. I would encourage people to visit, go out and see what a program is like, see if it's something for you. A lot of, a lot of young people grow up thinking that they would love horses. Maybe it'd be a good experience for them. And think of these organizations when you're making financial contributions. If somebody's interested in finding out more about your organization, Teresa, how can they find you? They can go to our website, which is catra.net, C-A-T-R-A.net. So for the listeners, if you've never experienced a program like this, I encourage you to go check it out. It's a great experience. It's just a wonderful way for people to connect. Loman, back to you. A new year brings the opportunity for a new approach to the economy and other key policy areas. So says Ashley Klingensmith from Americans for Prosperity Pennsylvania on this Lincoln Radio Journal commentary. We've now turned the year, sworn in the 2023-2024 General Assembly in Harrisburg and inaugurated the 118th Congress. Opportunity abounds in D.C. and in Harrisburg, and it must be seized as Pennsylvanians deserve an agenda at both the state and federal level that will make life more affordable. The first week of the year, we launched our Dear 118th Congress campaign. By the end of the month, across Americans for Prosperity's 35 state chapters, we will visit over half the members of Congress's district and capital offices, calling on lawmakers to focus on the major challenges that our country continues to face, urging them to do the hard work of advancing good policy instead of embracing the cynical, conventional wisdom of partisan gridlock and typical Washington dysfunction. This campaign was inspired by the fact that Americans remain united around the economy being the chief issue in need of address. And according to Gallup, roughly 80% of Americans anticipate 2023 being a year of economic hardship with rising taxes and deficits. Americans need and deserve policymakers that prioritize an agenda that will make life more affordable. Our Dear Congress campaign offers that policy blueprint. The first of three pillars of the campaign emphasizes the need to address and lower inflation through better budgeting. 
We know that government overspending can result in inflation, and inflation makes poverty worse. Congress should finally pass a unified budget that would include all federal spending and revenue. A unified budget would give lawmakers a greater stake in the budget process and empower them to take ownership of outcomes while revealing trade-offs and help reduce overlap and fragmentation and allow legislators to chip away at imbalances. The second pillar of the campaign underscores the need to remove barriers to domestic energy production. Since President Biden assumed office in January of 2021, gas prices doubled at the height of the price hike in June of 2022 and now remain over a dollar more than when the president took office. Removing the barriers to innovation, infrastructure, and environmental progress The agencies who implement the National Environmental Policy Act, or NEPA, have continually erected since its enactment in 1970 is essential. NEPA slows private projects. It increases taxpayer costs and contributes to endless administrative litigation that subjects critical projects to death by delay. We are urging Congress to pass the Unshackle and Start Acts, legislation that would unleash a domestic energy revolution that would reduce costs for gas, home heating, and domestic manufacturing. The third pillar of the campaign stresses the importance of increasing opportunities for fulfilling work. The term quiet quitting Doing less at work to focus on other things more went viral in 2022. The fact that fewer Americans feel happy with their jobs should be a sign to lawmakers that voters want policies that empower them to find fulfilling work that gives them the flexibility they want while building personal and financial independence. The Employee Rights Act is a comprehensive bill that would help workers Families and businesses thrive by giving them more choice and power over how unions represent them, greater protections in pursuing self-employment, and more protections to start businesses in their communities. Please visit www.dear118thcongress.com to sign and share a letter encouraging your member of the Pennsylvania Congressional Delegation to choose innovation, progress, and the American people and reject endless sideshows, overspending, and regulation. I'm Ashley Klingen-Smith, State Director with Americans for Prosperity Pennsylvania. You can find us on Facebook by searching at PAAFP and on Twitter by searching at AFP Pennsylvania. If you miss hearing Lincoln Radio Journal on your favorite radio station, audio of our complete program is available on our websites, lincolnradiojournal.com and lincolninstitute.org. For 28 years, Lincoln Radio Journal has been heard on public affairs-minded radio stations throughout the Commonwealth, including WLSWFM and WQTAAM in Connellsville, along with WPGMFM in Danville, Pennsylvania. The Lincoln Radio Journal is produced weekly by the Lincoln Institute of Public Opinion Research, Incorporated. The Lincoln Institute is completely funded 
Through the generosity of individuals, corporations, and philanthropic foundations, including the Houston Foundation of Coatesville, the Allegheny Foundation of Pittsburgh, and the Pennsylvania Manufacturers Association, all of whom have helped to underwrite the cost of this program. Lincoln Radio Journal is a trademark of the Lincoln Institute of Public Opinion Research Incorporated. Comments and opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Lincoln Institute or of this radio station. From the Lincoln Broadcast Center in Harrisburg, I'm Loman Henry. Thank you for listening to Pennsylvania's most widely broadcast public affairs radio program, Lincoln Radio Journal. Plug into the pulse of Pennsylvania.